Welcome to the Insecurity Project Podcast. Most people think the best you can do with insecurity is mask it, manage it, or medicate. I'm convinced this is a problem that can be solved for good, and that's what this show is all about. Join me for weekly 10-minute Tuesday episodes, live coaching demonstrations, and world-class interviews on the subject of overcoming insecurity. Now on to today's show. Hello again, friends. Jamin here. You're on the Insecurity Project. Today, I have the great privilege of interviewing Rana Kordahi. So Rana is a, a TEDx speaker. She's the founder of the Selling Academy. She's a, a mindset coach and a sales coach. And there's there's two things that I really wanted to talk to Rana about today. First is selling. Obviously, that's her sweet spot. And I think that insecurity shows up massively when you have to sell yourself. So I'm really fascinated to hear her insights on that. But uh, more importantly, I I think Runner is a good human and I've been watching her LinkedIn profile uh, with great interest lately because she's courageous to speak out about a bunch of injustices and challenges with the political landscape and and climate today and and to risk her own uh, profile by calling things uh, out that, that are addressed without any aggression, but just to speak truth. So uh, I love love it when people do that, and I've really valued her writing. So, look, Rana, I'm stoked to have you on the show. Thank you for being gracious with your time this morning, and I'm looking forward to a really wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Jamin. I, I appreciate that. I'm excited. Right. <laughs> now, uh, before the show went to air this morning, you, you, were, you mentioned to me that these are different questions. Normally, you just get asked about selling. So yeah. uh, these questions are about you, the, the person, and how you've got to where you are. So I'm really interested in your backstory uh, because, you know, for you to have achieved the success you've got, you know, success is not handed to you. Obviously, you've had to work to be where you are and you've had to overcome a bunch of your own doubts, fears, and insecurities along the way, no doubt. So I'm wondering if you can give us a bit of an insight into where you started and what it was like growing up in, in your family and, and particularly the role your parents played in instilling confidence and self-belief in you as a child. So I actually um, came to Australia when I was nine. So I grew up in Lebanon and I did most of my childhood memories. I remember living in an underground war dungeon where because uh, we, and I remember just hearing lots of bombs and things like that. And then we came to Australia when I was nine. And um, yeah, because of the war. So my family and I, we came and we started off living um, in camps here in Sydney, New South mm-hmm. Wales, in this little flat. We didn't have much. And I think my parents, they've always encouraged me to just go for what I want. So when I was 11 years old, I remember telling my mom, oh, I was watching, I don't know, I came to Australia and there was this show, it was called East Street. I don't know if you remember it. And I was like, I, do remember. Yeah. I want to do what they're doing. I want to be an actress. And my mom was like, yeah, okay, let me take you to drama school. So my mom used to get on the bus take me to this drama school in like five, six suburbs down. It used to take an hour to get there and she'll wait for me outside as I did my once a week drama school. So I think her doing that and my parents just, they weren't the typical Lebanese parents that were like, oh no, you have to study or you have to get married. They were like, whatever you want, you want to be an actress, go for it. Uh, follow your dreams so I think they did instill that confidence that I can do and go for whatever I want because they've always supported me Uh, as well sure do you think the impact of living in a life-threatening situation um, you know impacted their willingness to go okay life's 
life short, it's precious, it's a gift. Here we have an opportunity. We want you to go and experience life. Do you think that played a part in their willingness to let you go? I think so. And also I think, yeah, so definitely um, them being in life-threatening situations and coming to Australia. And But also my parents, they're not much older than me. So <laughs> meaning like my mom is 16 years older, my dad's 20 years, and they come from the city. So in Lebanon, the city is more, so my dad's a journalist. Um, so they kind of are very open-minded people as well. And they're very artistic. So for them, so for example, my dad is more about art, passion, doing what you love rather than security and money. Um so yeah and they've always said I don't know like their relationship with money was I guess it's good but it's also they didn't um what do you call it they didn't put money as like the highest value in life yeah as well yeah okay well uh so did you become an actress is is that a is that something you pursued beyond that initial idea so I can't say I became, so I did go to drama school after I graduated high school and you do your HSC. I went to drama school and um, I went to three years of drama school and I did try and pursue that. But I guess I had the confidence, but I didn't have the resilience. So you can still have confidence in your life, but if you don't have the resilience to keep on going or if you don't want to sacrifice everything for what you want to achieve, then you're not going to succeed. And I guess when I look back, I can see that clearly. But when you're young, when you know, I graduated when I was 23 years old, I did not know better. I had never had any, even in drama school, we never had personal development or mindset or resilience training, which I think um, is important. Or even in high school, I've no, I mean, in those days, I didn't even know who Tony Robbins was. Mm. So Sure. So what was your first introduction to the world of personal development then after that that setback, not making it work as an actress? So I'm okay. So when I was 26, I moved to Mexico. So I spun the world's globe and I landed in Mexico, although I had worked in sales before. But um, so I went to Mexico and I started working in sales there. And they were very big on um, personal development and sales training. So every morning we had sales training, but part of the sales training was personal development. And also they used to put videos of Tony Robbins. And I had no idea who he was before that. But so I was just watching this guy, you know, talking about confidence, resilience, going for what you want. Uh, And that's how I learned about personal development from one of my sales jobs, believe it or not, as well. Well, uh, I, I got to interview David Neagle last week and he talked about uh, Tony Robbins was the introduction to personal development for him. He he was, he's a fair bit older and he saw the very first Tony Robbins infomercials um, on, on, the, on his TV and then bought the tape set and put them in his car. And, um, you know, Tony, he's the, he's the guy who is just such a force of nature and uh, lots of people trace a lot of their growth back to his good work in the world. Oh, yeah, I give him a lot of credit for where I am now in my life. And I always said to people, if I knew Tony when I was in drama school, I would have been in Hollywood. I mean, obviously, we can't guarantee that, but I think I would have at least made it somewhere in the acting world. Mm. 
Okay, so you're in Mexico, you're doing sales, uh, but you're getting personal development training. Uh, you're being introduced to Tony Robbins. What kind of impact is that having on your internal world? So when I first met, I mean, when I first started to listen to Tony, it was very superficial. Yeah. I just applied some of the stuff to do with visualization, the law of attraction, but I didn't really need him in my life until later on when I, you know, started to, because as you know, when you're young, uh, um, studies show that people that are happy, the most happy is in their 20s and in their late life, in their 60s. That's when they're the most happy, right? But then you start to go through life and disappointments and heartbreaks and all this kind of stuff. And then um, I guess it all compounds. And then when I started to kind of go through some, I think the first time I felt kind of anxiety, depression was when I was over 30. I had never had that um, experience. I was just always, everything was great. So I think I appreciated. And also when I started my business, I started to really apply his work because when you're in a desperate situation and you have no choice, but to apply that work, that's when I felt, okay, this is important. Um, he can, even before I ever went to his uh, live events, I remember not feeling great. I was living also in London at the time. And I had a friend who gave me um, his, tapes but it was like the recordings on usb he just gave me all these recordings and i remember um you know i had put on weight i wasn't happy i was feeling a bit depressed and uh he had this hour of power where you, you do some exercise you eat healthy and then you put on his uh, you put on his recordings and i remember within two days everything turned around like i felt so happy so good i you know in two three weeks i had lost weight i was just feeling great so tony i mean sometimes it's a short-term fix it's all right but i mean he can get you out of that and then you have to do the work and but i don't believe like if you listen to tony you're going to have this kind of trajectory going up or whatever work you do you're always going to have this as long as when you're here you know how to go back up and that's it you know some weeks i go down especially with some of the things that are happening right now, but I'm always, I always have the tools to know how to go back up and I'm here. And then sometimes I drop and that's okay. I don't judge myself. I'm like, okay, I'm in this place. It's okay to feel the pain and the grief. I don't want to block it out, but as I always put an expiry date on what, how long I'm going to be feeling like that. Um, I say, okay, you've got four hours to feel like shit, lay in bed, <laughs> eat junk food and scroll the social media and read the worst news. Or sometimes I give myself 24 hours and that's okay. But as long as it doesn't um, go long, and obviously this is just if if you've had tragic circumstances, you need longer. You might need a week, two weeks, sometimes a month to, to recover. But I'm talking about just normal things that happen where we feel sorry for ourselves and we play the victim. I don't allow myself to go, to, because I know as soon as I go down into that victim mindset, I can stay there for a long time and I, it can become addictive and it can become self-destructive. Uh, so many things to pick up on what you said, but let me just pick on this uh, this roller coaster and the, the permission to have the roller coaster experience. I, I found lots of people have this expectation that success is to be in this perfect state all the time and mm. to be on track all the time. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that's healthy at all because as no. you described, Stuff happens, stuff gets in the way. And and what's really destructive is the judgment that comes on top of the down. So you get down and then you judge yourself for being down, which makes you go down further and, and harder to get back out. But um, the resilience, I love that description, just, just this ability to go, cool, I'm down, but I do know how to get back up when that time comes. And maybe not, maybe the time hasn't come for another four hours or another 24 hours or a week. 
or a month. Yeah. I know when the time comes, I know how to get myself back in the game. Uh, yeah, be- beautiful distinction. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, do you mind if I just ask a few more questions around the the anxiety and depression you mentioned? So when you first started needing Tony, was that out of a point of pain? So, so um, you know, you was that after you'd started your own business or before? No, no, before. So I was living in London. I was working there okay. uh, in recruitment and employment services. So it was like a sales type of job. And I don't really remember why I was, it could have been a relationship or maybe it was all the bad food I was eating. Sure. Sometimes, I mean, even the, it could be simple. Sometimes you people don't identify, like if you go for one week eating a lot of, I don't want to sound like those health gurus, but drinking alcohol and eating, your biochemistry is going to um, not produce happy chemicals. Mm. And you could just start feeling anxious or depressed for no reason. Sure. So I can't pinpoint exactly why. Um, but yeah, I wasn't feeling the yeah, best. Yeah, okay, sure. And then uh, you, you started getting some tools that were useful and that turned it around. So mm. can you can you highlight some of the things that were particularly useful in the personal development space that then led to you having the confidence to get back in the game and then and then all, all the way to starting your own business? Can you tell us a bit about that process? So back then I didn't really have a specific, all I did was listen to Tony, do some exercise, and there wasn't anything specific that I did. And although I think back then I was teaching personal, because I was also um, working with job seekers that were high disadvantage. So I was running mindset workshops, but I did a lot of visualization and law. It was very simple stuff. Sure. But later in life, I think when I started to do more courses and teach more courses, I started to develop a specific um, strategy for what I need to do. And obviously I don't do this every day. But so number one is I need to, and we all know that, change the phys- my physiology. So if I want to pick myself up, maybe I might, I want to feel good. I might do some hit training or I might go for a run or I might do some ed lunges or simply just put my shoulders back, breathe, do some meditation. Hmm. Um, number two is be Can aware. I just, that, yeah, like, go for it. What you said, you said, yeah. we all know this. I'm not sure we all do know this. I think. Just that distinction, the quickest way to change your state is to lead with your body, um, both positively and negatively. The quickest way into depression is with your body too. If you drop your head, rub your face, start sighing, Mm. you can feel very dark very quickly. So that is a a really cool distinction to go, yeah, move your body, breathe, stretch, shoulders back, head up, exercise, some intensity. It, it dramatically changes state. So cool. That was number one. Uh, that is actually a big deal. So cool. What was number two? Yeah. And I mean, anyone that knows any personal development, they know, I, I mean, I also studied NLP back when I was in the, London and that was a huge part of NLP. It's changing your physiology. Um, number two is to be aware of the thoughts that I'm having. So yeah, sometimes I'm going to, I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I might go for days bitching and complaining especially about the political situation. Mm. But there comes a point where I pick myself up and I say, you know what, you could have, I put things into perspective. It could be so much worse. Um, I have so much to be grateful for. I have my own business. I'm, you know, blessed with this. I'm blessed with my health. I just did a blood test uh, uh, and I had knock on wood, perfect health. I had to just reframe everything in my mind, not Mm. to go down that dark hole of victimhood of feeling sorry for myself. So that's number two, changing that conversation that you're having with yourself, reframing and finding the gratitude 
that you have in life. Um, yeah, which is why mindfulness, any kind of mindfulness exercise is so important because it kind of gives you the space to get outside your thinking and then have a look at what's going on. If you, if you don't give yourself any space, it's impossible to do that reframe because you are, you are your thinking. It's all enmeshed. So cool. Yeah. That, that's a big one too. Number two, uh, what, what else? So number three is find compelling goals. So it doesn't have to be like the biggest goal where it's a business goal. It could be, you could start a little business, but right now people are going through a lot of hardship. Um, you know, it could be something that's going to keep learning a new language. It could be taking up a health challenge or um, it could be writing a book. It could be anything. It could be start creating content. So just have a specific goal that you're working towards because that's going to keep you, because people need goals in their life. So last year, I remember um, I did something called 75 hard. Have you heard about it? I have. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and I even found people from LinkedIn. So I posted, I'm going to do this. And I created a telegram group. I think there was about 30 people initially in the group and we were doing this and we'll meet up every second Sunday about, and some people were failing on day seven day, whatever that will start again. And that was really good to um, have this group. And also 75 hard, it wasn't just about the challenge. 75 hard is about drinking four liters of water a day. Yep. Okay. Now drinking lots of water a day is so good for your mental health. Yep. Um, following a very specific diet that's got no junk food for 75 days, 75 days, working out twice a day. And one has to be outside no matter what. So imagine how much vitamin D or how much fresh air or light you're getting. Another one is reading 10 pages of a book. Um, also not drinking alcohol and taking a progress picture every day to see your progress. So just doing those five things, simply, it doesn't matter. You felt on day 20, 20 days of feeling healthy, eating healthy, not drinking alcohol, moving your body for more than an hour a day. Um, and it didn't have to be anything intense because you could have recovery days where you're doing yoga for 45 minutes or it could be a simple walk. But some people, I mean, I've had depression when I was running my business in the beginning and I was... I thought, you know, that Gary Vee lifestyle, 12 hours a day, sitting on my laptop, not moving, <laughs> work, 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 drinking coffee, not eating. I put on, I don't know, like eight kilos in a mm -hmm. month. Um, and I felt so anxious and depressed because I did not get up even to go for a walk because I was so obsessed with my, I was so consumed. Don't get me wrong. I did well in my work, but I was so consumed with my work that I neglected my health as well. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the three things. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, meditation, yoga, write down, journal, have a morning routine, set a structure in your day. But I think sometimes when we uh, try and aim to do too many things from my, and also I do have ADHD. So when I try and do too many things, or achieve too many, um, I, I don't, you know, that whole morning routine, I might do it for three days and then I fall off. Sure. So for me, it's just um, looking after your health, eating really healthy food, uh, your physiology, uh, set compelling goals and changing that story in your mind. And I don't eat, I mean, I had ice cream. I'm not like some health freak that it's like 100%. I do 80% health, 20%, you know, junk food, ice cream, going out, eating restaurants, things like that. So, yeah. Lovely. Yeah, that's uh, beautiful stuff. Simple, but really compelling. Uh, so, uh, Cook, can you tell us a bit about the business then that you started? And, um, and then after that, I'm really interested in... Yeah, because the business you've started is around selling. So I'm interested around then when you started teaching people around selling, how you, how often you came in contact with their insecurities and then fear, their fears about themselves and their lack of personal development 
and found that was the thing that got in the way of their ability to sell themselves. Okay, so I'll start with the first question, how I started the business and mm. then how I was helping people with their insecurities. Right. Yep. So how I started the business was I was doing, I think it was 2011, I was in London. Um, I had my work visa ran out and I had to go back to Australia, but I wanted to, I was obsessed with London. I wanted to stay there and I was just using my savings um, to live there. And I stayed there for almost six months as a tourist. But during that time, I did um, an NLP course. It was like an 11, 12 day NLP course where I, and you had to do hundreds of hours before and after. And I remember in the NLP course, the trainer said, you know, I always have this attitude. I look at this guy with the yacht and I'm like, if he can do it, why can't I? Mm. And I was like, wow, that's really compelling. Like, I've never thought about that. And then, I don't know, I just felt so confident, very idealistic had no business sense, did not know what business is. And then I just, um, on our break, we had a 15 minute coffee break. I had my laptop and I, um, I actually called up my friend. I said, I've got this great business idea. I'm going to name my business. It's going to be um, coaching, mindset coaching, life coaching is it going to be about, and I'm calling it limitless, limitless minds. So I went and I registered an ABN, limitless minds. You know, and I started working and I just thought, all you need is a nice name, a website and, you know, the phone's going to be ringing. <laughs> so I got back to Australia and I did this course. It was a business course, but still I had no idea what business is. All I knew is how to sell, make cold calls, go out and thank God for that because I did not know marketing. I did not know business. And I was so stupid. I thought like, I've got this great website. I actually paid for a um, phone answering company to answer the, I had like some you know, land, or it was my mobile number, like it went to them. Yep. And for like one month, no one was ringing. I'm like, what's, because I didn't understand traffic, SEO. I don't know any yep. of this. But lucky for, in the meantime, I was actually making a lot of cold calls. I was just going hard with cold calling um, businesses because also I wanted to train staff because I thought, okay, who has the money? It's companies. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to be training staff in person. It was, it was a learning and development company. It wasn't a sales it was everything from leadership, team building, sales. You know, I wanted to be the chef of everything. Um, no specialty. And then, um, but there was this one course that they kept on requesting and it was a sales course. And I'm like, okay, they like sales. It, all the other courses were not selling. And then I listened to a podcast and it said, you know, um, like the Apple, they got rid of everything and they just have the Apple. So you need to, so I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to be marketing. It's going to be this one course. Uh, and I was getting good feedback for my sales courses, but I never planned to go and just, I thought leadership training is a sexy thing. I didn't, or mindset training. I didn't really want to be associated with selling in that time because I'm like, that's not really sexy. And there was actually, to be honest with you, there was not many sales coaches when I was looking. That was like 10 years ago, I think. And then um, I became, I just evolved into sales coaching because it was the demand and it was a smart thing to do. And I was good at it. So that's how it, and it just evolved. And then I changed it to this, my business still registered under um, Limitless Minds, the ABN, mm -hmm. but I've changed it to the Selling Academy because I want people to know exactly what I do. Limitless Minds is like, what, what is this? We don't understand. Yep. So I heard that was a bit long, but yeah. That that's was great. So that was the, the first question. So I did ask you two at the same time. So then as part of the Selling Academy, uh, can you tell us about your interaction with people's insecurities? They're trying to increase their ability to sell, how often do you encounter lack of confidence and self-belief as a real limiting factor in their ability to sell? 
most of the time. So a lot of the people that I train have to make cold calls. And even good salespeople that know how to sell, they know how to close, don't like making cold calls. And they're not, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them are not confident. They're confident with the conversation, with the closing, charming and whining and dining, that relationship building, but they're not good at hunting or they're not I don't want to say they're not confident. They, they don't want to get that rejection. So a lot of times it comes to that self-belief in yourself and belief in the product that you are selling. So if I don't believe in myself or just have that resilience uh, to overcome that, it doesn't matter. Like number one, what I teach people is you are going to get rejected, accept it and face it and expect it, accept it and face it. You're going to get rejected most of the time. You're going to hear a no most of the time. Get over yourself. You're no one special. Why should, most of the time, these people don't, don't, don't even know you. Why are you getting upset that they don't want to talk to you? It's okay. There's no, that's, that's number one. Um, number two is their self-belief in themselves. So that, like how you help people with the insecurity, uh, the insecurity. So changing that story that I'm telling myself about myself, number one, from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to sleep. If I don't believe in myself in regards to being worthy, to have relationships, to have a job, to have friends, to even be able to ask someone for a favor. What makes you think that you're going to believe that you are, um, you know, I'm worthy to pick up the phone and make calls and talk to strangers. Mm -hmm. So it all starts with at home. I always tell people from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep in your personal life for you to be able to have that confidence that's going to carry through into work. And even selling at work is so much easier because it's not personal. You are selling a product or a service most of the time. It's not you. They're not rejecting you. It's very different than going out on a date or trying to sell yourself. And they're like, no, we don't like you. Right. So that's number two. Number three is identify the impact that you're making in the person's life. So how is your product or service going to change their life uh, on a very deep psychological level? So I always tell people, and I use this example a lot, a software is not just saving a uh, an exact time and money it could be saving their marriage and I'll tell you why because saving someone time and money at work is going to save their sanity saving someone's sanity is going to save their health saving someone's sanity and health could save their marriage because that all carries over to the home life mm, yeah. so it's important to think okay my software is not just a software it's creating an impact on a very large scale as well yeah great uh, that, that, that's really cool and obviously what you've said, it's a holistic experience. Their beliefs about themselves totally impact on their ability to sell a product. Um, okay, a left field question, but but not that left field because this is kind of what really drew me to you in the first place. So you think about the strategy uh, the, the government, the Australian government are using at the moment to sell um, an idea around <laughs> yeah. um, uh, what we should or shouldn't be doing with the vaccines at the moment and how we should or shouldn't be dealing with COVID. Uh, what, when you look at their sales strategy. Oh, it's what, terrible. Well, of course. But what, tell, us, tell us from your, your eyes where are the mistakes? Why, why is it so terrible? What, what do you see uh, are their big shortcomings in this sales process? Okay, so I actually made a video about this. I haven't published it, but it's like the difference between a 1990s pushy salesperson and the trusted advisor. Mm. Now, yes, a pushy salesperson, most of the time they can get higher sales because they use tricks. They use emotional manipulation. They use your pain to try and sell you. They're like, okay, if you don't buy this, your life is ruined. It's over. Mm. The Australian government is doing this the same. If you don't buy into this product, you are not going to have your freedom. Mm. you're going to be isolated from your friends 
and family. Mm. Society is going to look down on you because guess what? There's social proof. 95% of people are doing this. So you as a 5% minority is the outcast. Mm. You know, so they're using all these tricks and they use scarcity and don't think that, you know, this is what we have now. There's nothing else. There's no other options. Um, and also using the full-on pushy, like, you better do it. You better buy it. And it's, I mean, it even goes beyond an unethical salesperson. It's tyranny. It's disgusting. It's it's coercion. So, um, yeah, I mean, even like at least with a pushy salesperson, you have an option to finally say, look, sorry, leave yeah. me alone. Sure. But with this, it's like, no, if you don't buy into our product, your life is over, your job yeah. is over. And what people don't realize is, Yes, a lot of people have bought into your product, but most people don't support you. So mm. your personal brand as the trusted advisor is ruined. And I, I've even told people this. I said, look, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I feel in the minority because I don't want, I'm, I'm in that small minority. And I said, no, you're not in the minority because let me, I put people into four groups. I said, there's these four groups. You got the people that want to get vaccinated and they did it freely and they support the government mandates. You have people that got the vaccine and they did it. And then you have the third class of people. They did it. Um, just, I just lost you there on the second. It just cut out. Can you just tell us the second type of person again? Okay. So the second one is they um, did it freely, but they don't support the government mandates. The yep. third people, they were coerced. Yes. They don't support the government mandate. And the fifth people, they have not been coerced. They haven't done it and they don't support the government mandates. And based on the polls that I've seen, 80% of people are the first three groups. Yeah, the ones sure. that did it freely, they don't support the government mandates. The ones that did, did not do it freely, they don't support the government mandates. And the ones that still haven't done it, the five, you know, the small 5%. Mm. Those three groups make up the majority of the population. That's an amazing reframe. That, yeah. That's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. I, I've, yeah. So, okay. There's so it's got nothing to do whether someone's vaccinated or not. It's about to do with um, not being coerced and being pushed. And a lot of people did not like how they were pushed or how other people are getting pushed into it as well. Mm. Um, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask a riskier question still. You can choose to answer this or not. Why, why do you think uh, our politicians are using the, the 90s pushy sales approach that's coercion and manipulation and fear and scarcity? What's what would cause human beings to who've been given responsibility and leadership to resort to such low quality strategies to make a make a, a plan for us? Why do you think they do that? So this is my hypothesis. I could be wrong, but I think also they have somebody pushing them and coercing them. So I don't think that they, so for example, the new premier, he came in, he has good intentions. I think he has beliefs about freedom and he, he has somebody that's now, you know, holding this, he's got his paycheck now, he's got his promotion. Imagine that you're in a position, you've yep. been promoted, you have a few hundred grand extra, you've got all these children on the way. And then you've got this pressure of, if you don't do this, you're not going to be in this job any longer. Now, I, I don't believe in, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe in, they could be even conspiracies. I have no idea. But I mean, I just believe that sometimes some of them, they have good intentions. They come in with good intentions. And I don't believe that the government is out to get us or trying to, um, I believe that they have the best intentions for their beliefs, right? Um, 
but at the same time they're not doing it's like having a I've been in a job where the manager's like you better get that many sales and if you don't get um if you don't hit your targets your job is over and I used to I was a pushy I used to sell time shows in Mexico and I've seen people walk out crying and you know in like shaking because of the sales strategies that my colleagues have used and even I was forced to use and if I didn't have that I would be you know I'm in Mexico I haven't so I'm not I'm not trying to defend them but I do want to try I try to see the world and as I said it's all about changing that story and reframing trying to see the world from their point of view now do I have a lot of spite and hate towards them yes I do (laughs) um but at the same time I don't want to go to that extreme level of feeling that uh rage inside because it's not healthy either yeah, that's a. Uh, I thank you for that answer. That's a really lovely answer. I uh, think it's a fantastic way of thinking about it. There's so many people I talk to that are in a world of pain right now because of, because of the coercion, because of the lack of options, and but the main point of pain is that they are in the minority, and they will be left alone. They they and their world is getting smaller and smaller. So just that reframe to say, no, you're not anywhere near the minority. No, I know so many people that have been vaccinated that have a lot of resentment, a lot of hate. They don't, um, they have no choice. If they did not do it, they would lose their job. They would lose their mortgage. They've got children. You know, some of these people are now living with nightmares of, you know, depression, anxiety, because they feel like they've been violated. Another, um, I've, I've heard a few people and a man and a woman telling me that they feel, and they were, I don't, this is a bit extreme. And, but they said, we were, rape victims as children and we're having that same feeling like we have no control over our body and our bodily autonomy so i mean so many people are not happy with this whether and there are people like for example um you know there are people that i know that are very close to me that are vaccinated they did it freely and they are disgusted because they have friends and family that have been they have employees that uh they want back at work they have customers that don't, they don't want to discriminate against. So at the end of the day, I think um, most people, the majority of people are united. And I believe that actually people are more united right now than ever. And to tell that story, that is, that, I mean, that's what I've, I've just so greatly valued from your writing on LinkedIn because that's what you proclaim loudly. That's what you call people to do. It's that reframe that's so life-giving and comes from such a deep place of love and, and, and increases the collective consciousness of the planet. So thank you for that work in the world. Well, thanks for that question because, I mean, also when you asked me that question, I had to really think, am I prepared to even share my political, and I don't call it political views. I call it, this is my, I mean, it's human rights for me. Exactly. I don't share my political views. I mean, I have very specific political views and I've never shared them. I don't like those political posts, even though I agree with them. Yeah. Because for me, I don't want politics to mix with business, but this is actually beyond, I mean, people are calling me suicidal. They're crying. Um, You know, Mm. when I see people in that position, I feel like I'm really compelled to speak out. Like I feel like I I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I don't. And I've tried, don't get me wrong. There were many months that I didn't speak out because I'm like my business, I need to protect my business. I need, you know, this, this comes first, but then you get to a point where you're like, if I don't speak out, okay, yeah, my business. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've had customers reach out to me telling me, we don't want to work with you anymore. Mm. I've actually had them on LinkedIn writing to me saying, I think um, your customers should boycott you. Hmm. And I then, for a week, I'm like, okay, I better shut up. They've won. They've intimidated me into silence. 
but then I just can't sleep again. And then yeah. it's like, I go back to that. Okay. What, you know, that dilemma, do I, do I speak up or do I just shut up and, you know, protect my business? But I think there's a balance between speaking up in a polite way, but at the same time, um, also protecting your business because some people, they are a bit destructive, like the way they communicate with people. And um, yeah, so I think it's important to have that balance as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, thank you. Another very deep and lovely response. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, this this is very dear to my heart as well because uh, to me, it just seems like it's deep insecurity from our political leaders that that means they're devoid mm. of any moral fibre or backbone that they, because of their insecurity about if I don't toe the line and whatever power is manipulating them high that we, we don't see, they don't feel confident enough to back themselves and no matter what the cost, they feel that they have to give in to whatever is uh is at stake for them so yeah i think they're having a hard time sleeping some of them because it's it's going against their own morals and ethics and there's a might i'm not going to name them but there are a few minority that have left and are speaking out and they've probably taken a pay cut and put their reputation on the line so i mean i respect i don't think all politicians are bad there are some great politicians that are doing great things as well yeah um okay well well, let's uh, leave that subject there for a moment. Let me just ask you, are there any, are there any key books that you recommend um, on the personal development side of things? So the things, books that have really impacted your life, but books that you kind of gift to others or recommend to others as kind of essential reading to develop your own humanity? So, I, I mean, for business, sales and humanity, it's um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm-hmm. because it's all about listening and re- taking an interest in that person and seeing the world from their point of view and mm-hmm. not insulting them. And that's very hard sometimes when you're debating with people, but it's always important to try and respect the other person's point of view in order for you. So for example, when people um, have argued with me and I, I got really attacked on one of my posts and I just said, you know, and they were like saying things to me. And I said, thank you so much. I can see where you're coming from. Or I can see your, and if you start off like that with a person, it um, decreases their resistance towards you. So that really helped me. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I might lose the plot emotionally, sure. but yeah. um, that's really important because it tries and helps you look at people's point of view and their world and communicate with them in order to influence them. Whether mm-hmm. you're a salesperson, whether you're a leader, or whether you're a politician. Uh, I recommend everybody read that. Another one, because I've been talking about Tony Robbins a lot, it's any of his books. Um, I think one is, the first one I read was Unleash the, is it Unleash the Power Within or Unleash Something? Uh, I think it's Oh, no, Awake, Awake. Yeah, no, sorry. It was Awaken the Giant. Awaken the Giant Within and Personal Power, I think. Yeah, and if you can do, if you can do any of his courses, even he's got Zoom ones. And if, um, you know, the Zoom ones that he's doing, it's called Unleash the Power Within. Yep. He sometimes has specials for a few hundred dollars and it's a four-day course. It's amazing. It's life-changing. I actually did one in, recently in September mm. and it just reset everything for me. Yeah. And I felt, uh, I mean, until now, I'm still buzzing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
yeah it's if you can do that as well that's that's i would right. recommend it okay anytime what about yourself what yeah. about, i, I want to know what book do you recommend oh oh wow well, yeah, yeah. uh, okay well look <laughs> no because i want to for me too you know the four agreements uh, by okay. Don Miguel Ruiz. I've heard that. I've never read that, but I've, uh, that, I've heard that of that. To me, is uh, is essential reading. It's a book of wisdom. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've never read anything more beautiful around reframing your own narrative and examining the agreements you've made with words. Uh, Doctor Wayne Dyer, The Power of Intention. That's okay. That's one of the that all-time great books. Uh, I spent six. Nine, sorry, I spent nine months in Germany with my family in 2016, and that was like my Bible there. It just, it just was so life giving and so rich and so spiritual and so beautiful. Uh, and then the, the third one in the top three, it's just a tough choice. <laughs> uh, but I, I'd probably say 12 Rules for Life, Jordan Peterson. Oh, yeah, I like um, Jordan Peterson. Okay, past JP. Yeah. Just, uh, so actually, I bought that for my brother-in-law as a Christmas present last year, mm. but I never read it. But I just yeah, knew right. he likes Jordan Peterson, so I'm like, okay, he's gonna like this. Book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's glorious. But yeah, that's I, I love books. Um, yeah, uh, and even just the look, like just looking around my my office and seeing spines out and just the books, and they're kind of anchors into beautiful experiences with life-changing ideas. Just seeing them. Uh, is, is lovely. So. Mm. I love books. Books are great anchors. I've never thought about yeah. that before, but just when I look at a book yeah, it is that I like in, on the bookshelf, yeah. it makes me yeah. feel good. Absolutely. I'll often just, I'll often encounter the book on Audible, listen to it, and then I'll just buy the paperback just so yeah. I can see it somewhere. Yeah. I may never actually touch that book, but I'll see it and it'll it'll keep me connected to those ideas. Yeah, definitely. Actually, the, one of my favorite, actually my favorite book, and I forgot to tell what it is. Uh, it's called The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's an amazing book. It's everything from psychology to business to sales to history to politics. Um, it's it's uh, mind-blowing. Mm, okay. Wow. Yeah, I've, yeah, I have heard a few people talk about that, but I've, I've never read it. So I'll add that, that to my list. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. So far-reaching conversation already. Um, let, let's end it with any other thoughts you've got around people who haven't found a way to reframe their story out and haven't found a way into confidence and uh, are still kind of living a small life and and maybe are almost given up hope around that. What do you say to people like that? What what do you what's your reframe to them around their capacity to turn things around and to find internal confidence so that they too can can live a meaningful life? So I say don't give up because a lot of things, like for me, it didn't happen overnight. I didn't just read one book or do a few small habits and it just changed dramatically. And many times I failed those habits. I might do them for three days and then I didn't do them again. And then I went into that self-destruction. Uh, and then, but you just have to keep on trying to, to apply them because one day something's going to click. One day you're going to, I mean, at least the minimum do is wake up and listen to a mind feed. It could be a, a motivational uh, video. It could be a podcast. It could be something. That's a minimum yeah. um, you can do. And then they they have a lot of recommendations. And then the next day, maybe apply a new habit. It could be the, today I'm going to drink lots of water. Yeah. And on day three, today I'm just going to go for a walk. So don't try and do everything at once. And you yes, I'm, you're going to fail. You're going to fall off track. You're not going to continue uh, 
doing that but like for example water I didn't start drinking now after 75 hard I drink two liters of water but you know how much water I drank for many years until only this year and last year I used to hate water I, I felt like I was going to vomit I used to drink wow. one glass of water a day or two yeah. wow. unless I was on some fitness thing and I'll do yeah, it sure. now since 75 hard I did that I drink almost two and a half liters of water a day because mm. I was drinking four liters so I never stopped that habit, yeah. right? But it took me a long time to get there. But I always, yes, I want to, or for example, I still haven't mastered everyday meditation until now. Mm. I did 30 days after Tony Robbins and I was like, okay. But that was a lot. I've never done more than five days of meditation before. So just recently I mastered 30 days. This took me also a long time. So mm. it's not something that you're going to suddenly, and you're going to fall off, but just keep on trying. Just yeah. keep on getting up and there's something that's going to fall into place eventually. Mm. Yeah, great, great wisdom. Uh, Rana, where's the best place for people to find you online if they've been fascinated by this conversation and would love to understand more about you and your work? So they can find me on LinkedIn. So just my name, you can see on Zoom over here, or they can go to um, thesellingacademy.net if they want to know more about the sales courses that I have. And then if they go to contact us, they can contact me there through email as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing so honestly and vulnerably in this conversation. I've got a lot from it and I'm sure the listeners will have done as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for such great questions as well. You've been listening to the Insecurity Project Podcast. All you need to solve any problem is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space until it works. If this is your year to be insecurity free, jump on the insecurityproject.com and begin your journey to become unhindered by getting a free copy of the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity.